I've been meaning to ask you, is that just painter's tape on the wall behind you? Yes, I want to hang shelves. Okay. Where the tape is. Okay. So they can fall on you in your sleep? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like dominoes? Yes, that's how I want to die. I mean, don't we all? Arthur's here. He's devastated. Arthur, welcome to the show. His fountain has been unplugged once again. Uh, And yesterday I was in a meeting Mm -hmm. and he was biting me in my defense. Mm. He was just sitting there chewing on my arm for no discernible reason. Uh, And so I picked him up off of my lap to put him on the floor where he could no longer bite my arm. Mm -hmm. And I did hit his head on the shelf that's next to my desk. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I felt really bad about that. Uh, I was in a meeting with the executive director of the organization I work for. Uh, (laughs) It was not my finest moment. That's embarrassing. But you yeah. know what? This could have been avoided if he wasn't stinky and going to hell. So. Exactly. It's his own fault, really. It's his, it, he brought it upon himself. He's perfectly fine. He's okay. He's just upset with me, which is fair. Mm. I'm upset with him. So he, He's probably more upset that you, you took his chew toy away. That's true. Respect is a two-way street is what I've found. Yes, that too. That too. Through fatherhood. So anyway, is that enough of an intro? Sure. I have nothing else going on in my life. Me neither. Here, maybe you can hear me slap my cat's butt. He loves that. That's good. It sounds like you're just slapping your leg. Maybe you can hear me slap my cat's butt. No, it's a different different timber. Oh, yeah? Okay, let me try my boob. <laughs> That's <How's> closer. That? <laughs> I knew it. The audio <laughs> professional. Fully, fully artist. There he goes. Artiste. Mm-hmm. Artisanal foley. <laughs> well, <laughs> we make this sound with organic chicken. <laughs> Free range. Free range chicken for your foley art. <laughs> Must be hard to be a vegan foley artist. Anyway, you were going to say this is Meet Cute. So this is Meet Cute, our show where we talk about all the places that art and science intersect. I'm Lauren, and I'm... Baking muffins as best as I can. Mm. Emily, and I haven't talked about asbestos on this show in a while, uh, but I'm excited to get back to it. I had flashbacks to it. I forgot what episode it was, and then I was reading about asbestos, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was that one. Yeah, we've talked about we've talked about asbestos several times. Oh, well, I um, remembered one. <laughs> oh, I've talked about it a couple times in regards to proprietary... Uh, mm. product, products with proprietary blends of materials in yes. them. Yes. Where if you don't tell me what's in it, I'm gonna assume it's asbestos. Yes. Yes. And that's my right. It's true. So right to know. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on right to know. Mm-hmm. Don't ask, don't tell. That's the asbestos model. That does seem to be the asbestos model. Seems to be. We'll tell you that it's bad but we're not gonna do anything about it <laughs> yep good um, luck 
Yeah. Oh, you have the pre-existing condition of having lungs. Mm. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Sorry. Be born in a different industrialized nation next time. I don't know. Next go round. Um, I can talk first. I don't have much. Okay. In regards to asbestos, because uh, first, well, first things first, I, I do want to shout out the Irish street artist who has named themselves Asbestos, uh, who made my job extremely difficult this week. That's powerful, um, though. Yeah, it's it's a choice, is what I'll say. Is um, it, like, stylized, like, the name Asbestos, the word Asbestos, is it stylized in any way, is it just... No, it's just Asbestos. Straight up Asbestos. <laughs> yeah. They did a a monolith back when that was the thing. Oh, like And I think it was actually made ago? out of chocolate. They're selling it on their website for $43,000. It's made out of chocolate. Oh, well, yeah. So, please share this episode with your friends so we can make money so we can buy the chocolate monolith <laughs> from from Asbestos the artist. I frankly I would rather just buy $43,000 worth of chocolate rather than have it imported from Ireland. Um, I imagine the shipping cost will also be quite high. And it's probably also not even $43,000 worth of chocolate. That's true. Anyways, because um, usually, like, if I don't know ahead of time what direction I want to take my research on a topic, mm-hmm. I'll just Google around and see what kind of relevant art exists to it and then just dig in from there. Yeah. Uh, and this person is the only thing that comes up when you try to look into asbestos in art. Uh, so thanks for that. Thanks. But the thing that I did know ahead of time about asbestos going into this is that it has a history of use in textiles. Mm, Yes. Yeah. So asbestos has... You didn't know that? I I didn't know that before this evening. Mm. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. You're welcome. Apology accepted. It's organic Um, tea. (laughs) So asbestos has been used... In textiles and clothing for a very long time. Uh, It was called salamander's wool because of its incombustible nature. Uh, And it's been around since as far back as 2500 BCE. Uh, Which, like, even though the myth of the fireproof salamander is entirely untrue, the material itself was fireproof. So it makes sense that that's how it got its name. Um, But it was also, of course, toxic. Made of asbestos. It's a carcinogen. So the reason that asbestos was able to be woven into textiles is because it's very fibrous. And I don't think or I hope uh, that most of us have not interacted with asbestos in our day-to-day lives. Um, but its replacement that you're most, you've most likely encountered is fiberglass insulation, mm-hmm. which has... Uh, similar kind of texture it's got like kind of a cotton candy vibe um asbestos isn't that color but like it's got like a texture somewhat similar to wool or like unspun wool uh and it's fire resistant Mm -hmm. and i just want to take a second to say that asbestos is sort of like a really horrible tragedy to me not just in the sense of like it's caused a lot of harm um like of course it has and that's absolutely awful but like all of the value that it could have had if it wasn't a carcinogen, like all of the mm-hmm. ways in which it was really, really useful. I don't know. I think about that a lot and it's I kind of that. a bummer to me. I, I think the real issue is the fragility of the human body. 
Mm, that's we're the, the problem we should, we're the problem that's the thing that we should be fixing like yeah the thing that i learned is that it's like that's wild to me is that it's naturally occurring like they just mine mm. it out of the ground and then yeah, it's, it's a rock and it's there um so like nature's like handing us this thing on a silver platter that's like oh it's fireproof we can put it in fabrics we can do all of this stuff with it mm-hmm but also, it gives you cancer, and it's really, really, really bad for you in really yeah. low doses. So yeah, no, it's like I get it. It's it's a shame. It's it's a big shame. I'm um, I've become a creationist in the last twenty four hours, uh, just because I don't As in think like creation of man, creationism. Yeah, um, because I don't think that if if evolution were true, I don't think we would have evolved to need nearly as much water in our bodies every day as mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. That seems like something that we could have weeded out by now. Yeah. Um. So this is another another, another point for creationism. The human body is just far too fragile. Mm. This is actually maybe an, a, a point for evolution. I don't know. I'll have to think more on it. We'll make a a comprehensive Excel tool to decide. Mm-hmm. The classic uh, asbestos hydration or spectrum. <laughs> the scientific method. Um, anyways, I'm not a creationist. We evolved from monkeys and the prehistoric Earth is man. Very, very old and flat. So, anyways, uh, we're gonna pick up the history of asbestos in textiles in the 1800s when it starts being produced commercially in the United States. Uh, so there's a lot of driving factors in the ubiquity of asbestos and it, its use in many, many, many products, especially in the U.S. Um, and, of course, there's, you know, the amount of uses that it has. There's the amount of it that there was available to mine domestically. Um, at the height of the asbestos use in the U.S., there were over 60 asbestos mines operating in the United States. Um, but also... The way that asbestos is spun into thread is very similar to the way that cotton is spun into thread. Yeah. So there were a number of cotton mills that actually transitioned to start instead processing asbestos around like the turn of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. And as the United States industrialized, the process of producing all textiles, including asbestos, changed and evolved, but it continued to be produced into the late 20th century. And in mass, you know, we were making a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, so where was this used? Because it's not like you're going to J.C. Penney and buying a shirt made with majority asbestos. Mm-hmm. Um, these textiles were used in specialized garments, mostly for occupations where there's a burn risk, where you're worried about heat. Uh, so firefighters are an obvious one. Foundry workers, glass workers, pipe fitters, a lot of industrial workers, and not just because of protective garments, but because a lot of industrial equipment, if it's hot and it was made in the 20th century, it's probably insulated with asbestos. Mm -hmm. So like with everything asbestos was used for, the danger is that the fibers in the textiles would be released into the air over time as they were used and would be inhaled by the user or anyone nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, textile mill workers were among the first to notice and bring public attention to the health issues related to asbestos exposure all the way back in 1927. Uh, Because of the nature of the work, you know, you're in direct contact with the raw material day Mm -hmm. in and day out. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense that those conditions, rather than someone who just uses products that contain asbestos in passing or indirectly, 
who won't be inhaling nearly as much nearly as quickly, it makes perfect sense that those are the folks who are noticing these adverse impacts first. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, you know they don't have any ventilation in those buildings. Like, like you oh, absolutely. know there's no ventilation. Absolutely, yeah. So... Asbestos use has declined significantly since the 1970s, but there is currently no asbestos ban in place in the U.S. Uh, This is is something, it's true, it's something that's pretty unique to the United States as an industrialized nation. Uh, We are lagging behind the world in many things. Here's one more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of the protective clothing that used to be made from asbestos, fortunately, no longer is. So... Firefighter gear is usually made from Kevlar and Nomex, both materials produced by DuPont. Uh, Also, both are proprietary. So who am I to say that they definitely don't include asbestos, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. I don't know. Who's to say? Um, And then foundry workers and other folks who work in professions with high risk of burns use a lot of leather, a lot of aluminized fiberglass fabric. So we've replaced a lot of asbestos with fiberglass uh, and treated wool as personal protective equipment. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, that was my asbestos journey. Not a lot to share, unfortunately. But interesting, yeah. I saw online somewhere that they... At least like a like a picture. It might have been on Wikipedia that they like used a, a blanket for hospital patients to keep them warm because mm. it's such a it's just such a good it's insulator. a great insulator. Yeah, <sighs> it sucks. It does. <laughs> it sucks so hard. It's like obviously the most important thing is that like it's harmful to human beings and mm-hmm. we continue to use it and manufacture things with it and like it continues to be used in people's houses and people's workplaces and that's mm-hmm. really really awful and bad. But like. The potential use right. that it could have had if that wasn't the case is a different kind of loss. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is not a preferable scenario, but if it had been less effective as an insulator, they probably wouldn't, wouldn't have put it in as so many things. And like, mm. we may not have known that it was a carcinogen right. if it wasn't right. so widespread in its use. So, yeah. Really makes you think about. Everything else. I wrote, it's famous for being a flame-resistant material, so that's why everyone in construction was horny for it throughout the 19th century. <laughs> so true. It just seems like such a like a silver bullet for just yeah. everything. Yeah. So my asbestos journey is a little bit of a spin this week in terms of coming from a professional standpoint for me. Mm health and no from from an environmental health and safety standpoint mm-hmm. um which is you know something i have experience with in the workplace so you know you mentioned that the real harm in asbestos especially today is when asbestos containing materials are disturbed so if you're like renovating a building or you're explicitly going through the building to get rid of the asbestos the small crystals that make up the fibers of the asbestos can be inhaled or ingested without your knowledge, mostly because mm-hmm. they're so tiny and invisible to your eye. Yeah. And they're known carcinogens, right? So, like, <laughs> if you work on a construction site for long enough, exposed to asbestos with no protection against it, like, you're going to get lung cancer. You're going to have some, some sort of lung complications. So, OSHA, friend mm. of the show. Mm-hmm has laid out a series of three standards that your employer is required to follow to protect you from the hazards of asbestos, especially if you're in an asbestos industry, like 
they make breaks with asbestos still in some places. So like if you're in a in a break manufacturing plant and they're specific to your type of workplace, these standards. So the first one is for general industry. So the regulation, if you're interested in looking it up on your own, is 29 CFR, which stands for Code of Federal Regulation 1910.1001 is where you can find that. And OSHA has all their, their regulations online. Like you can look them up. Nice. For shipyards, it's 29 CFR 1915.1001. And for construction, which is the third type, is 29 CFR 1926.1101. So <laughs> I did. Excellent. There it is. Thank you for coming to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did take a breeze through the general industry regulation, which is actually included in subpart toxic and hazardous substances and there's some important things to know that may be like difficult for the average person to understand if you're just reading through it to like know what it means in like actually like how to apply it basically mm-hmm. it's pretty yeah. long and there's a lot of a lot of information but um here's some of the highlights sure um, so just as a general definition, asbestos-containing material is defined as being a material that contains more than 1% asbestos, you know, in, re- in regards to OSHA regulations. Uh-huh. There's also what's known as presumed asbestos-containing material. Um, so that's something if, you, if you're doing a survey of a school that was built in 1956, and you can pretty much assume things like the insulation contain asbestos just based on like your expert knowledge of seeing other places and everything. Uh So in my last job, uh, we had to have an asbestos survey done. I think, I don't know how frequently you're supposed to do them, but it's like every couple of years, I think. And the only place that they found asbestos was actually presumed asbestos. And it was in the countertops of one of the labs. Oh, interesting. Which is really interesting. And it makes total sense, right? Like if you're going to be doing chemistry on a bench top you don't want it to catch on fire so why don't we use the best fire resistant substance known to us yeah so i mean that's just it's just presumed that it's in that bench top right um mm-hmm. but seeing as asbestos is really only harmful if it's released or agitated like they obviously didn't cut into the the bench top to test it and they informed us that is presumed to have asbestos in it, but, like, you, you don't have to do anything with this, right? Like, you don't right. have to... It's not, like, urgent that you remove it. And it's considered what's known as non-friable. So that means that it's not going to break apart. It's not... Not like a toaster strudel. Like, just flaking <laughs> off. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. A nice... Friable. Croissant. A nice croissant. Mm-hmm. Friable asbestos is, like, your croissants. It's going to just flake all over the place. Mm-hmm. So if there's any need to do any sort of renovation to those countertops or to that room or whatever, and you had to remove them or cut them open, then you'd have to take the proper steps and assume that there's asbestos in it and that it's going to be airborne when you cut into it. But I think we are still legally required to notify the employees that there was presumed asbestos material inside of the countertops. Okay. So employee exposure is... The exposure to asbestos an employee would have if they were not using PPE, such as a respirator. Mm. And this exposure is regulated by what's known as a permissible exposure limit. 
And this is this is the limit on how much of a substance in concentration, basically, in the air that an employee can be exposed to, usually during an eight-hour time-weighted average. So if you're exposed to higher concentrations, like, for shorter amounts of time, that's weighted more heavily than lesser concentrations for longer amounts of time. Okay. And this varies based on the chemical. So, like, there's permissible exposure limits for things like sulfuric acid and... Um, mostly things that are very volatile and, and can get in the air and easily inhaled, right? I think, which episode was it recently we talked about roots of exposure? Oh, it was I, when I was talking about PFAS, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The underwear episode. Yes, underwear. So we talked about roots of exposure and how inhalation is the easiest route mm-hmm. of exposure. So most of these permissible exposure limits are for airborne substances. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the... Permissible exposure limit, time-weighted average for asbestos, I know everyone's dying to know. Yeah, on the edge of our seats. Is 0.1, and this doesn't really mean anything for, to me, like I don't I don't know what this, I can't visualize this unit. But right, like what it looks like to be, yes. to encounter that. It is 0.1 fiber per cubic centimeter of air as an eight-hour time-weighted average. Okay. So I don't really know what a tenth of a fiber <laughs> looks like of asbestos. Right. But I'm going to assume it's relatively low, like as a time-weighted average of eight hours. But anyway, there's also something called the excursion limit, which is basically like the peak exposure that you can have. Mm-hmm. And that is one fiber per cubic centimeter of air averaged over a sampling period of 30 minutes. Okay. So if you're exposed to one one fiber per cubic meter of air for 30 minutes that's your peak like you can't be exposed like you should not be exposed any more than that for the rest of the day mm. for the rest of your your work shift or whatever this is where osha falls short for me as like <laughs> a labor organizer where i'm like who's going in and measuring that every day? like how how is someone right. supposed to so report that's- if that's being violated mm-hmm. so that's the next part that I was going to get into, actually. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. It's okay. It's actually your employer's responsibility if you're working directly with asbestos. Actually, I'm going to back up real quick. This is not just like point-blank exposure into your lungs, right? This is Mm -hmm. exposure you'd have as an employee with additional PPE on. So you'd be wearing a respirator. Um, Right. Like, this is not the amount of asbestos that can, like, legally enter your body. (laughs) like the goal is to limit the amount of time and the amount of concentration that you're exposed to Mm. in addition to using ppe so that no asbestos gets into your body right so this is what you can encounter while you are wearing a respirator yes yes okay yes so legally so your employer is actually required to monitor and sample your um, exposure to asbestos. So they, they do this in a variety of ways. There's like ambient sensors that they can place throughout your work area um, just to gather the concentrations, right? And then there's actually mm-hmm. personal ones that you attach or clip onto your I don't know, your clothes or whatever that, mm-hmm. that samples. And it, it contains information on like how to conduct the sampling, where to place the medium that is going to be gathering the sample, how often you have to draw a sample, and then also how to notify employees of the exposure. Because, like, I think they said 15 
days, which is like a long time after you're exposed to something like this. Um, but you're you're legally required to uh, notify your employees within 15 days what their exposure level was, not just mm-hmm. like if they have a high exposure, but actually what their exposure level was. Okay. And like if you're a moderately sized company um, and you're not doing as best as like all the time or whatever, usually monitoring is contracted out to experts with like the, the right equipment and like who know what they're doing. Okay. So yeah, the it's it's all of this with uh, like it it falls under industrial hygiene basically. So like you can do this for any sort of chemical. We had a three D printing room that they moved into an office. Yeah, I think you told me about that printer. <laughs> I think I yeah yeah yeah. And there's like five printers in there, and the people are like, oh well, they're rated for office use, and we're like, not all five of them running at once. <laughs> Right. Um, and they have this really nasty one that uh, is like an inkjet 3D printer, basically. And like the the print medium was liquid, but it was so stinky. It smelled so mm. bad. And like the exhaust from that room basically like dumped right into this other guy's office. And he's like, I'm getting headaches from this. Like, this is bad. Yeah. Um. So my coworker did industrial hygiene sampling just like blanket samples to see what chemicals are present in the air and everything is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, you can do this with noise too, because noise is a hazard. It's, interesting. It's different, different equipment, obviously, but yeah. you do similar types of sampling for noise to make sure people aren't over their exposure limits for hearing. Mm-hmm. That one seems easier. It is. It is a little bit easier, but it's basically it's it's basically just like here, wear this little microphone. <laughs> yeah, put on a loft. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't run around because the sound of the wind is gonna make mm-hmm. your thing go off the charts. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a good analog, right? Because you can I don't know. It's it's a little bit easier to visualize, not visualize, but understand noise exposure. So like, mm-hmm. the excursion limit is kind of like. If someone is hammering really, really loud for 10 seconds and, you know, you get a little ring in your ear, like that would be your maximum exposure to sound for the day. Right. Whereas the permissible... Shooting a gun once. Right. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And under that limit, you can like kind of understand that it's not like it's going to do no damage to your ears, but it's going to do like permissible, I don't know. Right, and it'll take longer for it'll, it to yes. be a problem. Yes, exactly. So if you're if you're standing next to a guy that's hammering a piece of metal for eight hours, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the permissible exposure limit is like the hum of a soft engine for eight hours, mm. and maybe it revs up sometimes, and you have a little bit higher exposure, but lo-fi um, yeah. soft engine to chill and study to. Exactly. Yes. Make the playlist, please. Um, so OSHA regulation also states that you as an employer have to keep detailed records of your asbestos programs. Programs are just basically like, here's our policy and here's the steps we're going to do to carry that out. Mm. Um, but you have to keep detailed records of those for 30 years, which in the grand scheme of things is quite a long time. Yeah. Um, because as we know, it can take that long for the health effects of asbestos exposure to take hold. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you do have health complications later on from asbestos exposure, you, you know, your employer better have records of, like, 
here's what we did to protect them. And it's also, you know, very, very likely that you could hold your employer liable. It's almost like if we had socialized healthcare, none of this would be necessary. And that's the whole thing. Like, I don't know, companies spend so much money paying into workers' comp that, mm-hmm. like, not that it would ever, like, entirely go away, I guess. But, like, as an employer, like, why are businesses not advocating for universal health care? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's because right. then they, they lose their power of holding health care over their employees. But also, that's such a huge cost to your company. Like, when you hire someone, yeah. that's a huge, huge cost to hiring them is paying part mm-hmm. of their health insurance or paying whatever. And then also workers' comp on top of that. It's part that, and it's also part that, like, workers' comp doesn't entirely disappear um, mm-hmm. because on-the-job injuries are still, like, there's there's still a responsibility there and there's still accountability. Right. Right. And even if medical costs are covered, it's still the responsibility of the employer to, in some way, provide compensation right. or whatever the case might be for right. the affected Because there's employee. also, like, lost wages uh, right. that goes along with stuff like that. Right. And also, like, you have to de-incentivize people, employers, uh, harming their employees. Yes. And that so that was my whole end of this bit is how it's it's difficult to know. But like, know what regulations your employer is held to, especially Mm -hmm. if it's something that pertains to your health and your safety. Because if you're doing something like producing asbestos, you're trading your health for money in your employer's pocket. Is basically yeah. what it comes down to. So, in like, if you're one of the people out there or you know someone that you work with that's just like, well, this is how we've always done it, blah, blah, blah. Like, cut that shit out. That's so stupid. You yep. should be doing what you can and, like, holding your employer liable. They're, they're required to protect you from harm on the job and, like, start demanding that of them. Mm-hmm. Be friends with your local safety team. Yeah. Unionize your workplace. Also unionize your workplace, yes. You can protect you and your friends from this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be my new sign-off for this That's show. That's a good one. <laughs> if we keep talking about... I don't know, we've been on a real uh, bad workplaces kick we've recently. We've been on an anti-establishment, anti-capitalist <laughs> kick on this show. I wonder why. I wonder why. Interesting. Fascinating. Uh, thank you for listening. Yes. And thank you to She's a Spy. I assume you're, that's your your deal for this week? Yeah, that's Sorry, all I, I just got. realized I kind of cut you off. No, that's all I got, I think. Okay, great. Thank you for listening, and thank you to She's a Spy for the music that we use at the beginning and end of our show. We love it very much. We love her very much. You can find her on Spotify by searching She's a Spy. You can find us online at meetcutest.com and also on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at meetcutest. Mm-hmm. And if you enjoyed the time you spent with us today learning about asbestos, Everyone you has. can follow and subscribe to us wherever good podcasts are sold. And you can also rate and review the show, probably there, but definitely iTunes and Stitcher. And we really appreciate it when you do. It helps us out and it makes us feel good. And so few things do. <laughs> it's true. We are at the point, we are deep into winter. It is dark all the time. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Nothing. There's no glimmer of light in our lives except when you rate and review the show on iTunes. Yeah. Can I can I tell you that today I was like, it's like the it's 
the last week of February as Mm -hmm. we're recording this. So like I had a moment today where I was like, oh, I'm just like so bummed out. I'm so tired of it being winter and like not being able to go outside. And I was like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to think about how many days left we have until like we can all go outside and like spend time outdoors. Mm -hmm. And it's really not that many. Uh, But within hours of like doing that and feeling slightly better about like the state of things and the general situation Mm -hmm. that I'm in, uh, I learned that 2021 is going to be the next instance of Brood X, which is just like the billions of cicadas that come out of the ground and scream for five weeks weeks in may and it's i'm so i was like i'm done i don't know what else to do i've done everything (laughs) i can there's literally nothing to look forward to oh my god nothing is fun anymore no nothing's good so if you live in the region affected by brood x which is the sort of eastern half of the midwest and like new york state and pennsylvania uh I'm sorry, but we're going to be right there with you. You remember when the giant bees came? Yeah, the murder hornets? The murder hornets, yeah. I do remember that, yeah. Which, like, they exist elsewhere, but, like, they're not an invasive species elsewhere. So, like, that was the big concern, and I haven't heard anything about the impact that they've had, other than that, like, they decimated some beehives. Ugh, they're going to be in Pennsylvania? Yeah, they're going to be everywhere. They're going to be in Ohio. Ugh, well, f*** Ohio. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm fine with that. It doesn't yeah. affect me. But they're going to be here, and I don't want them. I kind of actually want to see them, but I don't want to hear them. Is that, it's, is that a good reaction? Is, the last time oh this God. happened was like 2004, 2005, I think. Yeah. And the thing is, they just like carpet the ground. <gasps> like, it's not, it's not a good time. Like, <laughs> I feel like I could enjoy a handful of cicadas, but like... A swarm? Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. They're also, like, huge. Yeah. It's just a lot. I mean, I feel like if it went on for, like, three days, yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like, okay, you're doing right, your fine. thing. That's fine. Five consecutive weeks. Hey, I mean, we've been in this pandemic for almost a whole year. Five weeks is nothing. No, I can't. I can't do that on top of this. <laughs> <laughs> You need to go outdoors. I do. <laughs> we'll be righteous back next week. Yep. Thanks for Thanks listening. Thanks for listening.